Let's go into the Word. Matthew chapter 13, and I'm going to read a verse or two here at the beginning of the chapter, and then we're going to move on down into later portions of the chapter, and we are just going to uh, kind of walk through some of the parables that we find here in Matthew chapter number 13. So, all right, uh, Matthew 13 verse number 1 says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house, and set by the sea. So here he is, he goes out of the house, he's going to sit down by the sea, and he's going to begin to teach. It says in verse 2, And great multitudes were gathered together to him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables. And we'll just stop right there, because we're going to be looking at some of the parables uh, that... Jesus shared in this chapter. Uh, let me just let me just kind of dive into this. As I mentioned, we'll pray at the conclusion tonight. Uh, but we see here in Matthew's uh, gospel that Jesus is transitioning a little bit. Uh, he's continuing to minister to the crowds of people. He's continuing to to do everything that he's been doing. But something shifts here. And in Matthew chapter thirteen, as far as Matthew records here. Um, Jesus begins using a lot of parables and he begins to teach them in parables. So what, what are parables? Maybe that's something that we need to just start with a little bit and look at together for just a few minutes tonight. Uh, what is a parable? Well, the word parable comes from two Greek words. The Greek words then translated are parabalo. And, and these words together mean to throw alongside. So a parable, it's like an illustration, and it makes a comparison between a known truth and maybe an unknown truth. So it takes things and it puts them together. Uh, it throws them alongside each other so we can learn a deeper truth. So Jesus is going to take parables. He's going to take things that they know, things that are familiar with them, and then he's going to apply them so that they can learn things, in this case, about the kingdom of God that maybe they are unaware of. And so he, he's teaching in this method. And this is always a great method of teaching because it, it takes the, the, where every person is at and, he, he, and you're able to share with them maybe something that they can understand and you can put that alongside a deeper truth uh, that's going to take them deeper into the word of the Lord. And, and so that's what we see uh, Jesus is beginning to do. So in Matthew's gospel, this is what Jesus does beginning here in this 13th chapter. And so he's going to be talking here and he's going to talk about the purpose of parables. He's going to talk, the first one he's going to share is about that parable of the sower. And that the sower went out to sow. And we're not going to look so much there. We're going to move down to verse number 24. And we're going to pick the, the teachings of the parables that Jesus is going to share in verse 24. And we're going to see seven parables that the Lord begins to walk through. And, and He's going to begin to teach them about some things. Now, what, what He's going to do here is He's going to take something that is familiar to them and He's going to share something, as I've already mentioned, that they did not know. And, and so he's going to do this with the kingdom of God. Everyone that he's talking to in that day is going to be familiar 
with the fact they all believed Messiah was coming. They all believed that, that the Savior was going to come. They believed that the kingdom of God, but they had some misunderstandings about the kingdom. In fact, and, and Jesus is going to kind of bring that out. They knew the kingdom of God, the kingdom would include righteousness, but they did not know that it's in, in this world it was also going to include evil or wickedness. So when they thought of the kingdom, they are thinking of Messiah's reign and they are thinking that everything is going to be good. Everything is going to be great. But Jesus is going to teach them that in the kingdom as he living on this earth now, as Jesus comes to enact the kingdom within and we're still living in the kingdoms of this world, that the kingdom is going to involve righteousness, but there is also going to be evil. There's also going to be wickedness. And so he's going to bring that out um, a little to them, uh, to them and, and to us as well. He also pointed up a new truth that the period between his rejection and his second coming would be characterized by professing followers and they would be both good and evil. So things were going to be happening. And so once that process began, then it's, it's, it would grow into a great kingdom. And once the process of the kingdom began in men, it would not be stopped. It would be continuing. It wouldn't happen all at once, but it would continue to grow. So these are just some of the thoughts that we're going to find as we walk through these parables in Matthew. And so I, I hope that you will walk through this with me and you'll grab something. We'll walk away from this study together tonight with an understanding of the kingdom better that we are living in. So, all right, let's, let's, let's jump into this. Here's some things we're going to hear. The kingdom is going to, it prospers in a mixture and through the deception of the enemy and it produces a harvest. So the kingdom of God prospers when there is mixture, so there's deception of the enemy, there's wickedness around, but the kingdom that Christ comes to bring and is the king of and within us now as we are believers, this kingdom, is, is it prospers in mixture and during times of deception and he still is able to produce a harvest through us. That's going to be important as we move forward. The kingdom is seemingly small and insignificant, but it provides for multitudes. So, so you need to realize that as well. And I'm, I'm turning this down. I'm hearing a little bit of my, my own voice here, so I'm turning that down. Sorry. But the, the kingdom, it, it's seemingly small and insignificant as Christ is uh, walking on this earth and setting up this kingdom or even in our lives today, sometimes the kingdom of God can seem small and insignificant, but it is powerful and it, it is able to provide for multitudes. We're going to see that as well. The kingdom is often hidden. The kingdom of God is often hidden or unseen, but it can change everything when it is allowed to work. So when the kingdom of God begins to work within us, as we give full reign to Christ, working within us, that even though it is often hidden, and even though it is often unseen, can change everything when it is allowed to work within our lives. So we're, those are just some of the thoughts that we're going to dive into about the kingdom of God uh, within us that Christ now has set up through His shed blood, through paying the price for sin, 
through making the difference in this world and on our behalf. And this is the kingdom that we now inherit. Now, I hope you understand when we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about the kingdom that Christ sets up, that, that it is complete, but we are not yet living in all the completion of it. We are complete within, but we still live in this world. So even though Christ's work is finished and the kingdom is established and is set within our hearts, we still live in this world. Now, one day we're going to leave this world. We're going to leave these flesh bodies and we're going to live with the Lord forevermore and the kingdom will be perfected and established in our own lives. Right now, the kingdom is alive within. And so therefore, we're going to learn some things about the kingdom that you need to understand. You may not always see with your natural eye, but is alive within you and will produce if you will operate by faith. So let's, let's just look at these. The first one we're going to come to is in Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 24. I'm just going to share. I don't know how long we'll share tonight. And if we find a stopping place, we'll stop or we'll press through. We'll just see what happens. Matthew 13 verse 24. It's what is termed as the parable of the wheat and the tares. So another parable he put forth to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. So pay attention to the characters in the parable and what is being said. Kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? We only sowed good seed, so where did the tares come from? Where did the weeds come from? How did this happen? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, the, the weeds, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them in bundles, to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So this first parable that we look at is the parable of the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds. The, 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 this is something that is good and bad. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but an enemy came in then. So, so let's just think about this. An enemy came in God created a good world and created mankind to be good. And God placed man after, after forming him from the dust of the ground and breathing life into him, placed him in a garden and, and said, this is good. But an enemy came and began to sow what was bad. Okay, and then begin to then the mixture began to produce. So the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed, and we can bring this into our own life today because it is what Christ has done is sowed within our hearts. But the enemy is trying to bring 
weeds and tares and negative things into our life so that our harvest gets all mixed up. So let's talk about this. I want to talk about what this means for us. The kingdom of heaven, and we're going to use some words interchangeably here, and I know that we could do a, a, a deep theological study on this, and that's not really our purpose here. We're just talking more about the kingdom of heaven, but I might just out of habit say the kingdom of God. We're talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It's a spiritual kingdom now within us even though it is a very real kingdom that God rules on the throne of, Christ has enacted and implemented, but within us, it is, it is alive within and being brought out. And so the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed. The kingdom, there are necessary struggles on this earth for us which are going to take place in this kingdom. And let me let me break it down in a very easy way. There are there is an enemy. There are enemies. So even though we are a part now of the kingdom of God, we are part of the kingdom of heaven. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We are we are taken once we have confessed faith in Christ, believed in our heart, we are taken and we are placed into, we are grafted into this kingdom. We are now in Christ. We are joint heirs with Jesus because of his shed blood when we put faith in him. But even though we are in this kingdom now, there is still an enemy. There are still enemies that fight against us. So the kingdom in our lives seems to have a mixture within it. There's a struggle that goes on. How many of you would admit that there are struggles in your life even though you know by faith you are a part of this kingdom, this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Christ? But there are struggles, struggles with our flesh, struggles with our mind, struggles with our mouths. There are struggles in our world. And it is the enemy that is attempting to take away from the harvest that the kingdom will produce. And so that the first thing you need to understand, and Jesus is teaching them, they needed to understand this. He was going to establish this kingdom within them by faith. They would believe in him, would be established by faith, but as long as they lived upon this earth, there would still be struggles. As long as there's an enemy, there are struggles. So you need to understand that. And you need to recognize that. And you need to realize that because that's going to help you fight your battles. And I want to say a couple of things about this concept of an enemy and struggle. Because I, I think this might help us a little bit. Your enemy, oftentimes your greatest enemies, oftentimes your biggest struggles, oftentimes they will define you. And they will help separate in the end what is good from what is bad. Let me, let, me just, let me just break down this thought just a little bit for you here. Uh, your greatest challenges most often will clarify your purpose in God's kingdom. Let's, let's talk about that for just a moment. This, this is the, this first parable. Let's look at some characters within the word to, to discover this. Abraham, how many of you that are watching me tonight, and you can comment on here if you feel like commenting, how many, what do you, Abraham was a great man. 
in the story of Abraham is amazing because God calls him, speaks to him in a day where, where God was not really greatly understood. There were many household gods. There were many things going on. And in Ur of the Chaldees, God calls to Abraham, Abram at the time. He speaks to him. And he says, I want you to leave your land. I want you to go to a land I will show you. And I am, am going to give you this land. You are going to be prosperous in this land. And Abraham, Abram gathers all of his things, his family, his servants. He gathers everything up and heads off just simply on a word from God. Didn't really know where he was going. Didn't really know what it was going to look like. Just took off. So Abram would have faced some challenges. What kind of challenges do you think he would have faced? Well, I, my thought, my mind, he had to face a great enemy, a great challenge, a struggle with indecisiveness, a struggle with unbelief. How many of you feel like sometimes you hear something from God and then immediately there, there seems to be this struggle with unbelief? Was it really God? Is that really what God's wanting me to do? Is God really calling me to do that? Well, put yourself in Abram's shoes. It, it would be as if God just speaks to us and says, Hey, Greg, I want you to pack up all your belongings and I want you to just take off and, and just, just head out. I'm going to show you where to go. Just take off and, and follow after me. I've got to be honest with you. The immediate challenge and battle I'm going to face is going to be indecisiveness and unbelief. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to struggle with that. Because it's going to be real hard for me to be decisive when I don't have the plan laid out for me. It's going to be real hard for me at times to hold on to faith when, when I'm not seeing this land that he's telling me about. And so Abram had to struggle with that. But his greatest challenge, his greatest struggle, his, these enemies that were going to fight against him we're going to help clarify his purpose. Because when he overcomes indecisiveness, he can be decisive with God's plan. When he overcomes unbelief, he can walk by faith so much so the Bible's going to call him the father of those who believe, the father of faith. His challenges, his enemy, his struggles are going to define him. They're going to define his purpose because as he overcomes them, he's going to find his purpose. So I want you to think in this parable that Jesus is teaching. He's talking about the, the sower goes out to sow and, he, and the man puts in the field what's good. But then the enemy comes in and sows what is bad. And so they say, well, do you want us to go pluck it out? And he said, no, leave them together. Let the mixture occur. Because as they grow up, if, if you go too early to take them out, you're going you're gonna to mess it all up. So let them grow together. And at the right time, it will become obvious. And, and the tares and the wheat then can be separated out. And I tell you that in your struggles and in your challenges, even as a part of the kingdom of heaven that's alive within us, your struggles and your challenges and your enemies that are coming against you. We, we have to keep pressing through because they will help define and clarify our purpose. So, so hold on through the struggle. 
Hold on through the battle. Keep walking through because God's going to reveal your purpose when the harvest time comes. What about Noah? God tells Noah in a day that it had not rained and God said, I want you to begin to build a boat. And it hadn't rained. And, and b- before that time, the mist would come up and water the earth. And God said, rain's coming, I want you to build a boat. That's the craziest thing that could have been said to someone in that day. And, and Noah's culture was completely vile and wicked. In fact, Noah and his family, Noah and, and his very small, tight nigger were the only ones God would find righteous to be able to save. All of the rest of creation would be considered wicked. And God said, I want you to build a boat and I want you to get the animals that I call you to bring in and your family, I want you to go in the boat. Because it's going to flood. There's a rain coming and it's going to flood. And this vile, wicked culture mocked him, ridiculed him, made fun of him. But he kept building the boat. Because his challenge, his enemies, his struggles were clarifying his purpose. Because the more they mocked him, the more he had to rely on what God had said to him. And when the harvest time would come, when the flood would come down, when the rain would begin to fall, then what had been mixed together, the battle between holding on to what God said and, and what the culture was trying to press into him, when the battle would culminate, it would become very clear who was on the Lord's side and right and who was wrong. But Noah had to keep fighting that battle because even though it was alive within him, he had to keep pressing through when culture was his enemy. And can I tell you, we live in a world today that culture oftentimes is the enemy of the believer because they mock, they ridicule, they make fun, they limit, they try to push down. But when we know who who the Lord is, when we are settled in our faith, then the attack of the culture, even though it mixes with our life and even though we would rather not have to face it, but that mixture clarifies our purpose because we can stand brighter. The light shines brighter when it's the darkest. So the sower went to sow and he sowed good seed to produce a good harvest, but the enemy sowed weeds, sowed tares to try to take away. But when they said, do you want us to to take out the tears, no, let it come up together. In the right time, it'll be proven. And the wheat will be taken into the barn. So I, I, I want you to hold on. Let's think for a moment about Moses. Moses. Who was Moses' greatest enemy? It should be obvious. We're not talking about the devil here. But the greatest enemy he faced would have been Pharaoh. He had to keep going in and say, let my people go. His enemy was before him and his enemy seemed to have more power than him. And his enemy seemed to be controlling the situation. His enemy seemed to have all the circumstances stacked against what God had said he had called Moses to do. So there was mixture. Moses would perform a miracle and the enemy would perform false miracles. Nothing like Moses could But then Pharaoh, who seemed to hold all the cards and the circumstances, would turn him away. 
How many of you have ever felt like God has put something in your heart, but it just, see, it just keeps feeling like at every turn, circumstances are holding you down? Can I tell you, that's the mixture, but it doesn't diminish the kingdom that's growing in you, the purpose of God that's, that's, that's preparing for harvest. And when the right time comes, there's nothing that can stop the harvest that this kingdom is going to produce. Let's, let's think a, a little bit more. Let's think about Elijah, who was his great enemies, the false prophets. God had given him a word, and Elijah said, gather them all together. The wicked king, Ahab, Jezebel, the queen, said, gather all the prophets together. We're going to find out whose God is real. There was a mixture in that day. There, there weren't a large group of, of believers still yet in that day. Mixture was rampant. There were wheat and there were tares all over the place. But Elijah's greatest confrontation, Elijah's greatest challenge clarified his purpose and made him an even greater prophet of God. I want to, I want to say something to you right now. Whatever seems to be your biggest battle, whatever seems to be your most difficult struggle, wherever the enemy seems to be probing the hardest and prodding the harvest, hardest, don't give up because it seems like there's this mixture of what God wants and what the enemy's bringing and it just it's hard and it's a struggle. Don't give up. It's clarifying your purpose and you hold to your faith, you walk with God, and when it's harvest time, what the enemy has done will be removed and burned away. And what God's purpose for your life is going to be seen. And you're going to walk in His victory. Praise the Lord. Somebody ought to just put a praise hand up in the chat there. Say, thank the Lord. My enemy's not going to stop me. My enemy is going to help clarify what God's doing in my life. Amen. Because when that... Wheat begins to produce that tear my look, but it's going to come to the point that it's going to be clarified which is which. I, I personally believe we are living in a day right now in the world right now that it is going to become very clear who is who, which is which, right and wrong, those that are standing and those that are going to be shaken. We're living in a day that we, it's a day of mixture. There's mixture all around us. It, and it's hard, and it's a day of confrontation, and it's a day of battle, and it's a day of struggle. But it will not stop the harvest that God has sown into your heart. So please hold on to that. We could talk more. We could talk about the three Hebrews and Daniel. And we could talk about that they were, they were faced with the mixture of standing for God or bowing to the world. And we know what they chose. They chose to stand for God. And the three Hebrews had to go through the fire. Daniel had to go to the lion's den. But guess what? In their biggest battle, what God had promised and their power that God had given to them was proven to be true. And they came out on the other side because God's kingdom was within them. Amen. I won't, I won't spend more time there. We'll kind of press forward a little bit. I hope though that that there's something said right there that maybe will speak to somebody that your, your challenge is what, what is so hard right now. If you'll keep fighting by faith, you'll keep pressing in. What God has promised has not gone dormant. It's not, it's not going away. It's not being defeated. It's not being stopped. 
There's just mixture right now, but the right time is coming. Amen. And God's promise is going to be proven true. Let's move forward to the next one. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. And we'll hit this one. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. The parable of the mustard seed. And, and that we could go many ways. We, we, we know when Mark writes about it, he, he tells us that if we could have faith like the faith of a mustard seed. It doesn't mean small, little faith. It really doesn't mean that. It means complete faith. The mustard seed is small, but it has complete faith. It is all mustard seed. It is all to produce uh, the tree that's going to come out of it. So, so the Lord's not saying, just have a wee little bit of faith. That's not really what he's saying there. He's saying, have faith like a mustard seed. Even though you might feel small, what I've called you to do is much bigger. Amen. And so, but when we come to this parable... He, he tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed and, and it goes into the ground and it's small, seemingly insignificant, but it produces a tree then that birds can even nest in. But what I want to focus on for just a few minutes tonight out of this parable is the kingdom principle that there is a remaining remaining, staying quality in this kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom that is alive within us. It remains. It may not be seen. It may seem to be small at the beginning. But it stays. It remains. Amen. What God has done for you and me through Christ Jesus is going to remain. It's not going to go away. It's not going to change. It remains. Think of this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. A man sowed it in his field, which indeed that seed is the least of all, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs. It becomes a tree and, and birds nest in it. It remains. It stays. Even when you don't see it. Even when you don't feel it. God's placed something in you that He plans for it to remain and for it to produce through you. And, and it may feel small, but it is great. Amen. There is a remaining quality in this kingdom. This kingdom is going to remain in this world as long as there is a world. So there's always going to be a remnant there's always going to be a people of God. The kingdom of God is going to remain. He placed it into His field. How many know this world is His field? He placed it into His field. He put it into this earth. There are people, even though it may seem like we're the minority, even though it may seem like we are, we are small, God has placed a seed into this field, this world, that is going to remain until God calls His church home. 
This is going to remain. The kingdom, the gospel, the power of God is going to remain in our world just like the life of Christ is going to remain in our life for eternity. Amen. There's a remaining quality. And as long as it remains, it's going to produce. The seed is going to be put in. God has planted His people in this earth. You and I are a seed God has put in this earth. And we may feel small and insignificant. We may feel like our voice is not heard right now. We may feel like that everything is against us. But remember, we are a seed God's planted. And we are going to remain and we are going to provide what this world needs. And, and how does this seed remain? Because it has roots, because then it grows, and then its purpose is to provide for others on this earth. So this is what God has put in us. He's put in us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, when, when what He accomplished at Calvary, we find is enough for our sin and we confess Him and we give our life to Him and He makes us these new creatures. We are planted now as children of God, the kingdom of God in this earth. And we are, we are here. There are roots in us here. We are here until He calls us home. And while we are here, we are to grow. And as we grow, then we are to provide and help others. So what God has put in you has a purpose. The life of Christ in you has put roots into your life. Don't just walk away from it. It's caused growth to come out of you, even though you've got to apply yourself to grow. If you will get into the Word, if you'll spend time with the Lord, there will be growth out of you. You spend time with other people, you'll begin to grow because this kingdom seed that's in us is meant to grow and it's meant to help others and provide for others on this earth. The kingdom of heaven is like that mustard seed. You and I are planted in this earth for this day, at this moment, for this time. And so therefore, we need to be growing. Our roots need to be deep in the Lord. We need to be growing in our walk with Him. And we need to be finding ways to help others, to become a, a safe haven for others in our world, to call people out, to give them a place of rest, a place of hope, we carry that message. We carry this gospel. Amen. So the kingdom of heaven is in us. We're going to do one more tonight, and then next week we'll pick up the rest of these. Verse 33. Another parable he spoke to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal, Till it was all leavened. Now we're going to talk about this concept of yeast. We're going to find that there is fulfillment in this kingdom. Just hang with me. Let me, let me recap. There are necessary struggles in the kingdom of heaven while we're living on this earth. There are necessary struggles and those enemies and those struggles and those challenges even though there's mixture are going to be with us, but at the right time, they're going to expose what God is doing and then they're going to be removed out of the way. The kingdom of heaven, there is a remaining quality about this kingdom. So we are put here to remain. The world can try to shut up the church. The enemy can try to shut up the church, believers in Christ, but they can't stop us. 
We will always remain until the Lord calls us home. There will always, I remember when Elijah sat down and said, Lord, I'm the only one left. And the Lord said, you're not the only one left. I've got 7,000 that haven't bowed their knees. There's always a remnant because this is a kingdom that's going to remain. There's a remaining quality in this kingdom and we are meant to help others. But the third thing about the kingdom that I want to talk to you that Jesus teaches in Matthew is there is fulfillment in this kingdom. That many believe that this parable carries with it the dynamic character of yeast. And, and the nature of yeast is such that once the process of leavening begins, it is impossible to stop. Amen. Ah. Jesus possibly was implying that those who profess to belong to the kingdom would continue to grow, their advance would not be stopped, and what he has started is going to continue. There will be fulfillment because we are a part of the kingdom of heaven. Yeast causes, the, the leaven will cause, it, the, the yeast there that, that this is talking about, it, it's going to cause things to begin to happen. Things are going to rise. Uh, when the kingdom is planted in something, a life is going to rise. Fulfillment is going to occur. Things are going to happen. It is a given. When it is allowed to continue within the, the process that has begun. I want you to hear this because I think this is important. What God has started in you, if you'll be obedient to Him, it has to come to fulfillment. Amen. This, this would cause a lightening, a softening. It modifies, it changes what it is placed within. Can I tell you, God says some great things about us and many times we look in Scripture and we say, well, that doesn't seem to define me very well. These characteristics I read about, I'm still struggling with all these flesh thoughts. When I read in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, and then I, I read of the works of the flesh. It seems like the works of the flesh dominate so often rather than the fruits, fruit of the Spirit. But there's change occurring in our lives because of the kingdom that we're a part of and the kingdom that's within us. And what has been planted in us is permeating through our life and should be coming out and should be changing our nature and modifying how we live and changing the way we talk and preparing us for all that God has called us to, the kingdom of heaven. It's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. God's put something amazing in you and I. When Christ and His finished work is planted within our heart. And He will fulfill. He can open doors no man can shut. He can shut doors no man can open. What He began, He will complete. He is able to keep every promise. All victory is His. What God has put in you through Christ Jesus is a seed. It's a, an agent that's going to work throughout and change your whole life and everything and bring you to a place of fulfillment. It, it is a victorious 
harvest. That even though there's mixture in a battle with your enemy that's going to be clarified and going to be made seen when harvest time is right. Kingdom of heaven is alive and well within his people today. I hope that maybe we've just said something that would encourage you a little bit tonight. Because this is what Christ has accomplished for us and what Christ has put within us. This kingdom. That's why we can say we are in this world. I'm sitting in this chair. I'm in my house. We, we are in this world, but we are not of it. Because now we are of a kingdom that is going to produce in harvest time. A kingdom that, that is, is going to remain. A kingdom that is going to completely change. And modify our lives and everything we come in contact with. So stand strong and understand the kingdom of heaven in you, the kingdom of Christ, the Lord in you. You have been placed into Him. So not only is the kingdom in you, but you are seated with Him in heavenly places, even though we still walk on this earth. But this kingdom cannot be defeated. You cannot be overcome as long as you walk by faith in Christ. The psalmist would say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging bread. God will come to your rescue. The kingdom will thrive and will continue to move forward. I I just want us to grab that so that's my word for tonight that's what i want you to hear i want you to walk in i want you to prepare for and i want you to understand greater is he that is in you first john 4 and 4 than he that is in the world he's greater amen he's greater so let the kingdom be alive